Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom to Rav Mike Foyer from the Parties Institute and from the Jewish Story, JewishStory.com. Shalom, Rav Mike. Shalom, Ishai. JewishStory.co. .co and RavMike.com. See, there you go. That's right. JewishStory.co and RavMike.com. Thank you very much. I keep the uh, Jewish story based out of Columbia for text. <laughs> I actually, I actually wanted you to know that I used to have a website, which was a, a domain, which was yish.ai. Okay, yish, yish, yish.ai. But of course, AI, AI is um, is an island, um, is a, is a little tiny island somewhere. Um, I forgot the name of the island, uh, but you you could buy that. And but the problem was is that it was it was quite expensive to keep up for the year. Um, the the dot AI. If anybody wants to fund the dot AI, so I can have Yish dot AI again, and let me know by by reaching out to me. Uh, Rev Mike, we have um, we have a lot to talk about today. We have an, a stellar Torah portion with a lot of kind of hidden meeting which I want to discuss with you today. Let's just talk about two quick topics beforehand. Uh, number one, um, my children were semi-morning today, as children uh, are apt to do, when they are promised snow and they are denied that snow. And I see here, I see here, uh, Erica uh, from Sweden, she says she's got little, she says Shalom's from Sweden and she's got little snowmen in her, in her, uh, in her uh, emojis, what I call emoticons. Um, she has those, but, but here in Israel, the snow was not to come, but you yourself are angry at people who actually predict the weather. You have, you have a problem with weather prediction. Am I right? It's, it's like got a little bit of a taste of a Vodazara of idolatry. It's not, it's not the meteorologists my, themselves that I'm upset with, although they kind of annoy me. Um, it's people who speak about the future as if it's a fixed reality. Mm-hmm. Like it will, it's going to snow, etc. Aside from the fact that the Banish Olam has told us that the weather is one of the most intimate indicators of our interaction as a people with God, right? So that like kind of erases that whole. It's all about science. Well, Koi, I know I said Shema this morning and and explicitly declared the fact that the rain is dependent upon my personal and national, you know, adherence to the law. I said that this morning. I didn't really mean it because when I want to know what's going to happen, I look on the Weather Channel. But it just it, it goes to the heart of this idea that that humanity lives in fear of the future because mm-hmm. it's uncertain, and we're constantly, consciously, and not bringing to bear different systems that give us the illusion of control. Mm. And so it particularly annoys me when people walk around saying it's going to. They say it might rain. It's a, also I also feel that there's just I hate to say it, but just bad mojo. Like the more you talk about these things as if they're inevitable, so the more the Vodash Elam's like, Oh yeah, watch this. Well that's that's true that he has removed wisdom from the weather uh, men because they're uh, weather weather people, the meteorologists, because they're often wrong, especially when it comes to snow. I find at least here, maybe 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 you're right. Maybe outside of the land of Israel, like they're more they're better at it because here there's like some kind of factor where God is like, I don't want you to know the future. It's not I don't just know. some kind of factor. It, it's the second paragraph of the Shema, like it is core. It's not like a side thing. My kids think I'm nuts, by the way. You can see the energy I have here. I'm, I'm holding myself back, but it is it is fundamental. It's not like some little pet peeve of mine. Just That's interesting. It. That's just because, like me, because I a lot of times, I like before I go to to Hebron for the day, I like to know what outerwear to take. So I look sometimes and I ask the the weather people, 
if they could, like Google, if they could let me know what would be a wise, you know, given the temperature, what would be a wise outerwear to wear? You're, is that, do you think there's something wrong with that? No, I mean, listen, there's a difference between risk management, which is what you're speaking about, which is like, okay, I know, like all things being equal, I want to be prepared. And this sense that your kids are heartbroken over that someone told them the future. Right. And they were wrong. <laughs> That part, that part, that, that that part definitely rings true. But on the other hand, Rev Mike, like 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 two weeks ago, I looked at the weather forecast and I saw that they were they were contemplating uh, that it was going to be great great sunny weather, and so I made a plan to go to the beach, and that worked out very well for me because indeed the weather was akin to uh, what what they what they you know promoted. I, I'm trying to use the right words here, uh, so not to say that they predicted. Um, and and that was that was useful, but I, I think what you're talking about is is a matter of um, certainty, and and trust in science, which is um, if they would only use words, you know, uh, for example, I, I think I, I think I read. Oh, here, here's a good example. Doctors are allowed to say what they think will heal, but the rabbis go crazy if the rabbis if the doctors say something like he's got six months to live. Right, right. You can't say he's got six months to live. You don't know that. You don't have the power for that. You were not given. You were not given the ability to foresee that. And you can uh, say a middle ground, by the way. You can say, in my experience, understanding the factors at play, my estimation is this. Mm-hmm. And it may sound like really kind of like why are you being so verbose? But it's the it's the difference between the arrogance of claiming knowledge of the future and the humility of understanding that our we're, we're, we are enjoying tamim. Right? You need right. to know that really everything's in God's hands. Right. And that doesn't mean you can't manage risk and plan, etc. But don't fall into the trap of thinking that you know. Right. And that verse that you just quoted, be, be whole, be perfect, be simple with Hashem your God, comes right at the heels of don't try to predict the future through necromancy and bones and... and Meteorology. Arm- yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's about I was going to... I was going to say speaking from the armpit, and you said meteorology. Okay, um, very good. The other thing I want to discuss with you is uh, Zion Adar. We have a kind of a, a mini Jewish holiday, and some people take it more seriously than others. Uh, but it is the birth date and the passing date uh, of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, the, the the lawgiver, the Torah giver. This very very special man, very very special man, who existed. Where sometimes you can, sometimes like. Like there's a, there's a hard, and I have to be very careful how I say this. There are at some moments where there's a, almost a fusion between the the God and this person who is is channeling God to to us, and in a sense, his passing day is exactly to tell you that he was not a God, or like in some other religions where where they take a man and make him God. It's like no, this was a man, but he was a great man. Uh, and at the same time, in his in his in his massive greatness, was the most humble of all people, and that's coming this Friday, um, really a week before another great man saves the Jewish people, and that's Mordechai uh, and Esther. Um, so I just just want to stop for a second and talk about like Moses as 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 this very real thing, Moshe Rabbeinu. And I guess I guess my one last phrase about that is. Sometimes I try to imagine being close to Moshe Rabbeinu, just seeing the man. Maybe, maybe, maybe shaking your hands. I don't know. Can you can you imagine for a second shaking Moshe Rabbeinu's hand? What 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 would that be like? 
there's many Hasidic stories about like many generations down holding the knife, of, seeing the knife of Abraham, and how like great rabbis would begin to just shudder and shake just to see uh, the, the the knife of Abraham. Could you could you imagine gazing into the eyes if you could? holding on to the flesh and skin of shaking the hand of Moshe Rabbeinu? What it puts me in mind of is the Khan Ol Panav, right? This idea that, that Moshe, when he really um, achieved his, 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 his full evolution in his relationship with, with Kodesh Baruch Hu, it was his, his, his soul was so apparent that it shined through his face. Mm-hmm. And, and he had to wear a veil because people couldn't handle it. Right, and, and so I, I think it's it's important, really, to note that that that, uh, like you said, we get his his origin, we get his story, and we and we have his end, in order to remind us that he was human. But the experience of Moshe was something beyond that. Mm-hmm. Right, and and on one hand, it's an inspiration because it means that hey, Fishagamu Basal, right? The Gemara says like in Chulin, right? That, right. That, Moshe, that Moshe was also of flesh and blood. Right. On the other hand. It needs to be a call to action in what we're capable of and never letting ourselves off the hook of saying, I'm just human. I'm only human. I also would add just on a personal note that my birthday is Vavada. Mm. So I've always uh, felt a, a certain connection to, uh, to Zion Adar as just a, a, um, a reference point. Where, and you where, also, how far and you, you come and where are you going? That's very cool. And you also live in a place overlooking kind of where the last speech that's right where the last speech of, of Moses was given where he's buried on on Har Nevo. Uh, although I will tell you that uh, in Hebron there's a kind of secretive tradition Ooh. that uh, that comes from places like the Sefer Mabit and other Kabbalistic writings that actually the angels picked up Moses's body after his burial and brought him into the land of Israel to be buried in Marata Machpelah, in Marata Machpelah. And it's it's actual real literature. I have seen it myself. And not only is it so real, but everything that the, the Torah says, well, he was buried here and, and no man should know. So there's, there's kind of Remote technical... Him. Right, they like explain away every part and explain how he was buried in Marat Machpelah. So it's, it's, it's like a detailed literature. It's not just kind of a uh, obscure line. Um, and so there has been a, a tradition of people coming and praying at the tombs of the forefathers and mothers uh, in Hebron on Zayin Adar. I mean, in that sense, the the Ma'ara is um, is a it's a clay kibul, right? It, it's the it's the receiving place for the great souls of Am Yisrael. So, mm-hmm. I mean, however, one understands that idea that the angels came and took etc. Moshe Rabbeinu certainly belongs there with the Avot and the Imo. Right. J- just let me, to be totally correct and fair, uh, it, it, that, 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 that literature says Moshe and Sipora. Because oh, It's got to be a couple. Yeah, it's a, couple's, it's a, yeah, it's a couple's thing. It's a couple's. Yeah, it's a totally couple's thing. Right, because right. Hebron is for lovers, like I always say. Um, as long as you're dead. <laughs> as long as what? You're dead. That's right. <laughs> Well, or, 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 or eternally alive. Um, all right. We have, um, we have a Torah portion uh, where if I said this now that, once again, we're starting the Torah here, uh, it would be cliche by now. But there is an element of it, and that is because uh, we're getting a different kind of Torah now in this week's Torah portion, which is Truma, which is uh, in, in the book of Exodus, Shemot, Chav uh, uh, 25 verse 1 and it's a it's all about the it's now a blueprint uh it, it's blueprint torah which is a different kind of torah that we've had before we had narrative and from narrative we 
had a you know a change of gears to law, but law of how mankind uh, should live, how Jewish people should live, and now we're switching gears totally to blueprint Torah. Blueprint Torah is something different, and the the, the next few Torah portions are about the tabernacle, the vessels and the vestments of it, um, and and um, I, I guess the, the first the first place where we have, where we have to the first verse that we have to look at is right in the beginning. It says. Uh, Excuse me. The second verse, which is "Vikhu li truma," they'll take from me uh, a voluntary gift. Rashi says, "Li," they'll bring it to me. Lishmi. Well, you can't give me a gift. You can't give God a gift, but you can honor His name, and that's what this thing is about. Uh, you can you could create a a place that God's name is honored, a house of God. Uh, but it's not to the act. It's somehow the gifts that you're bringing and the sacrifices in this building. It's not. It's not. It's not really like some kind of idolatrous thing where you can please God with your with your you know with your gift to Him. No, it's to, it's to honor Him and His name. Well, you know, there's a very fine line here, uh, and and I'm always wary of um, historical anachronism. Mm-hmm. That, that, that we today live in a world that's stretching to a fault. Right, so much so that that, that um, God has become an idea. So, so I hear what you're saying in the sense that we identify the the, the physical act of giving or sacrifice. We identify those things with, well, ah, it's a little bit idolatrous, so we're going to reframe and it's in my honor. And say, but I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. Go ahead, go ahead. But, but I, but I want to first of all honor the fact that the people who stood at the foot of Sinai heard the voice of God, and when they took their gold and silver, they were giving it to the God. Whom they had hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, one, two. We've been in exile for a long time, and to me, this Torah portion is one of the most important parshiot in healing one of the great losses which exile brought about, which is the loss of any relationship to the sanctity of the physical. Sanctity of the physical. We became experts in the holiness of time down through the generations. You know, we have a way with the calendar, the, Jew, the Hebrew calendar to me is one of the most incredible spiritual instruments that humanity has been granted. And, and our calendar has an, an, a, so like a, a power in, in both its broad strokes and its, in its nuances. I love we're in the middle of these Arbor Parshio, these four special Haftarot readings from the prophets that I think of as like, um, they're like riffs on the on the swirl of the spiral time and like deepen the narrative power etc etc but we've lost touch as a people with the fact that the physical can give you contact with the holy in a way in which time emotion thought cannot do Mm -hmm. right and and that was something which which the idolatrous world knew well too well right which the torah came to redeem and not to reject and so, therefore, I, I agree with you. God isn't taking our silver and gold and putting it in God's pocket. But but it's important that we see this as a giving, too, because the physical items themselves are a means for relationship. Well, you're totally right that we, we don't really have that experience right now. And if you've ever spent time any, in any Eastern Orthodox um, church... It's to me. It's it's quite off-putting. You walk in there, and there's the, there's this like this like over 
this like plethora of of just like physical idolatry, physical things and icons. Yeah, the whole thing, icons. Yeah. It's it's and there's like there's it's like and it's like it's like a it's like they go they go nuts on it. It's not like one icon. The whole thing is icons, 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 and you're just like Bleh. you just you just feel immediately like this is you actually. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. Uh, really, I'm gonna say something honest, which is not politically correct. It's it it, it feels it feels uh, very um, barbaric or or kind of regressive. You walk into there and these this, this type of like the and I'm specifically speaking about the Eastern Orthodox Church. It's like it's like it felt it felt very it, it felt like not with our it, it felt. Like like you went back in time in terms of mankind's development of of spiritual development, but what you're saying is is that is that actually there's a if done in the holy and proper manner with God's blessing, it's actually a way to super hyper connect to to spirituality. There's a fine line between barbaric and visceral, mm-hmm. and and one of the biggest problems of the over intellectualized, abstracted, particularly Western culture that we come from is that it's lost the visceral. Right, right. In, in well, a positive way, it's left the visceral over to the Yitzhahara. Right. Right, but, but, but the dichotomy is, is, is extreme. Right, but, but when you say lost, we literally lost, and here's the, the first uh, vessel, which is we've lost the Ark of the Covenant, the Aron Abrit. We've Like, it's gone. It's, 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 it's hidden. It's been hidden from us. Sometimes I think to myself, maybe that's part of God's process that he actually kept on more and more. He became more and more invisible to us, and we more and more had to yearn for him in a kind of an invisible sense. I mean, this is a seasonal question because, you know, that's what's called in theology Hester Panim, right? The hiding of the divine face, as it says in, you know, in Devarim, in Hester uh, Panai, I shall surely hide my face. And when the Gemara, again, the same Gemara referenced earlier in Kulin, S. Esther Minayin, right? Where we find Esther, a hint to her in the Torah, it's there in that hiding of the face. And so, so the hiding of the face can be a loss of the divine presence, but as you're pointing out, it can also be an invitation for humanity to come more fully into, into what we would call true faith. A faith that doesn't require hand-holding and objects, but one which really flows from a depth of consciousness. So I'm not offering the physical as a substitute for that, what right. I'm just pointing out is that humanity is meant to live a whole life. And, and, and that physicality, that sanctity of physicality is, is a critical piece. And this Parsha is all about that. that right. Only- right. That, and that's a good point. And, and at the end, we're living in a time of re-embodiment. We're living in a time uh, of coming back to Yerushalayim with the eye towards a third temple. So anyway, uh, so, so this week, I got very excited about the following thought that I even told you I would tell you a thought during the show. Here it is. Right, you know, right. one of the things that I didn't quite realize, or I knew it, but I didn't quite—I didn't understand the importance of it—was that the the ark has in it. Uh, first thing, it's made of gold, wood, gold. In terms of the boxes, it's basically like a gold box inside a wood box, and inside another gold box. Uh, that's the that's the kind of vessel that that holds the stuff. Inside inside the ark of the covenant were was the broken tablets. The full tablets, um, a jar, a jar of man, not a, not a, not a, yeah, a, a, a jar of mana, not a mara of John. Okay, and uh, and also there's a machloket whether an actual sefer Torah was inside of it or was it in the holy of holies, kind of on a shelf. 
Um, and then there was on top of that was a kind of a covering, a lid. The lid had the two cherubs on it, uh, which was, according to most opinions, a, 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 a face. They had a face of a baby boy and a baby girl or a young child kind of facing one another. They were the cherubs. They had the wings kind of spread over the, the, the lid. And that there's a special word there, which is sochechin, which is like the word schach, which is like the word sukkah, which is like they like they like hover above and kind of cover uh, like a shelter cloud, too, right. shelter, uh, and maybe mask a little bit. In any case, they and you've seen you've seen the movie. I'm sure I'm sure you've seen the uh, the pictures. What it looks like, um, um, but but one thing that I that I kind of didn't pay much attention to is that. There, on the side of, of this box are rings, and the rings have poles that slide through them. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly for carrying. However, strangely, the mitzvah is that those poles are never allowed never. to leave those rings. And so even in the Holy of Holies, as uncomfortable as, as you would think it is, there is poles that jut out from this Ark of the Covenant, from 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 the Arona breed, and, um, and 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 they're in those rings, and and, and the, the 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 Torah actually says lo yasuru mimenu, in verse in verse fifteen, and you and I think I I started thinking to myself like what is the deal, why why would these sticks be there? They're for carrying. Why does the Torah tell you you have to keep these sticks, and 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 mimanavshach the other way, which is if you want me to never take out the sticks, so let's just fuse it in. Why not, why not just make it part of the thing? Like, why do you have to have these rings and the rings have sticks, but you can't take the, the sticks out of the rings? You think, you put it down, take the sticks out, right? So, well, what do you think? You, you have any thoughts on this issue? I, I mean, I think that, that this represents one of the fundamental tensions within Mikdash, meaning we know that there's the tabernacle and there's the temple. We have the, the, the porta version, right? The wandering in the wilderness of the tabernacle, and there's ultimately a Hashem, right? That the place that God will choose has a permanence to it. We also know in Jewish history that we have our residence in the land and we have our life in exile. We also know as um, we were referencing before in our somewhat whimsical discussion of meteorology, we have certainty and we have doubt, right? A doubt in a positive sense, because of course Certainty is powerful, but it also limits. Doubt may be frightening, but it opens possibilities. Mm-hmm. This this dynamic is the the um, sort of the tension between what it is to be in motion, what it is to be at rest. Right. If you will, you could also take it into the particle wave tension within light. Meaning, meaning these are two states of being. Right, and they're both critical for existence. They're critical for divine service. They're critical for for, for our national culture. And I think the very fact that like you pointed out, um, as you said, like right, if the poles are permanent, then make them part of the ark. Right. If poles aren't permanent, then take them out when it finally comes to rest. The answer is, they they are both permanent and impermanent. Right. Right, and um. And, and this, by the way, goes, it goes to the heart of everything in the Ark. I'll give you an, another example. Is that, is that as you say, um, there's the Luchot, the Shivri Luchot, right? There's the, uh, the, the, the tablets and, the, uh, and the, the fragments of the tablets inside the Ark. But, but don't forget, the tablets themselves have one version in the Book of Shemot and one version in the, in the Book of Dvarim. 
right with major differences perhaps the best known being that shabbat is shamor in in the second and zahor in the first but there's many others so i have a question for you which which version version is inside the ark right so the answer i think goes to the heart of what you're saying which is that they're both there in that sort of Schrodinger's cat sense that, remember, once the ark, because the other command is once the cover's put on the ark, it's never to be removed. Mm-hmm. So meaning the question of what's inside becomes Shamor v'zachor. Right. The answer is both. In the same way that Schrodinger's cat was neither alive or dead, these are Schrodinger's tablets, right? And so Amisio carries forward the sense, no, no, both of them. And you see it, Shamor v'zachor right? That they were said in one s- statement, something which only God can hold these multiple possibilities, but we as a people are enjoined to do the same. We are both at rest and wandering. Right. We, we are both in perfect certainty and, and absolute wonder. Right. Okay. So so I was I was reaching for for a similar conclusion, which is, you know, you have you have a if you look at the world, like what's the one thing you could say is permanent? Well, God is permanent. All right. Well, what's his what's his permanent place in this world? It's um, it's the Temple Mount. It's the holy of holies. It's 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 the it's 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 the the foundation stone. Like okay, we made it. We made it. We're here. We don't have to go anywhere. Once you set that thing down here, that's it forever. Like perfection has been reached. God says, nope. I want you to know you got to keep traveling. Just like Jacob had to keep traveling. You can't you can't believe that that God's presence is at rest. It's not at rest. It's not there's no finality. It's not done and your life isn't done. We didn't figure it all out. There is no quote unquote end of history. It doesn't work that way. All right? It, it's it's you got to keep going. So I want you to keep those 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 poles in there because it may be time to go and in fact my spirit may may leave this place and I may kick you out even. And actually, I may even take this very ark and and hide it. And so you guys got to keep traveling. You got to keep. You got to keep going. Um, and by the way, that's also why I, I a lot of times reject this kind of need sometimes of of a certain kind of messianism, which wants to say it's all over. You know, it's all over. This like cataclysmic. I'm like, no, that's not the that's not the commandment of God is to be in a cataclysmic mode. It's to keep going. And to keep passing it from generation to generation, with the hope that there's you know one day total re- revelation. But even if in the Jewish tradition of what revelation is, it's also not exactly final. To like the first Mikhail, right? You got to keep going. You got to keep going. That's the bottom line. You got to keep going. And our and our whole everything about us is not at rest. The electrons that make up our 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 world, the blood that flows through us, the synapses that keep firing, like actually stopping, is death. And even that, even that is not, even not that even at death. the end, yeah, right? Not even death, exactly, because your soul goes on, and, right? Exactly, right? And that's and that's the worst curse of them all, right? I will, I will erase you. I will, I will, you will be a non-being. That means you're not moving anywhere. You're, you're done. So don't don't reach for that, even at the most perfect state that you can imagine. And and uh, another way to approach this is that you know, perfection in the static sense, is unavailable in our world. Because our world is that aspect of divine perfection, which is constant perfecting. Meaning process is its own form of perfection. And our world is not broken because of an accident or a flaw. Our world is the expression of that aspect of divine perfection, which is constant perfecting. Which is why we can never be at rest. Because be it, to, be, to be at rest would be in contradiction to, to existence itself. Right. 
So there you go. Got to keep those polls in, everybody. Got to keep going. Speaking keep of movement, folks. That's right. So let's just, speaking of movement, there's a lot of uh, movement on our comments. We got Chava. Chava puts me, puts me straight. She says, Mordechai did not save the Jewish people. Esther did. The most you could say is that Mordechai helped or encouraged Esther to save the Jewish people. But to say Mordechai did without mentioning Esther is to erase the contributions of our great women. Go, well, certainly, You're totally right. You're right. And, and, and I, th- I think I did mention Esther, actually. Uh, but, but in any case, uh, uh, and I think, actually, it's their, their amazing teamwork. It's Aaron, Moshe, it's, it's Esther, Mordechai, etc. It's, it's actually, you know. Well, any- I think the important inversion there is that Mordechai plays the role of facilitator. Right. is the actor there. And right. that's a very important inversion. The male-female dynamic in the, in the Megillah is one of the most complex right. and powerful in all. Right. Like, w- one of the Nahafochus is when Esther, when, when, when Mordechai listened to everything Esther told him. That's one of the inversions where, he, where, 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 where she says to him, okay, so do thus. And he's like, okay. And he accepts what, because what, before that, she always listened to his words. And so in the middle of the Megillah, she start, he starts listening to her words. And that's part of the redemption. Uh, our friend Jay White says, Shalom Alchem, gentlemen, much love to you guys. And thank you again for the great Parsha talk. Thank you for your prayers for my mother with COVID in London, Yvette Bat Irene, who is doing better. Baruch Hashem. And uh, we continue to p- pray for her and all the people uh, that, that need healing right now. Amazing. So Yvette Bararin, Bracha Vatzlacha. My good friend Aaron uh, Shafir from Beersheva, one of the greatest tour guides, um, uh, and also Sofer Stam, what do we call that? A scribe, uh, mm-hmm. and a great dad as well. Um, is uh, he's got a great picture here. You see him under a waterfall there. Aaron, let us know what your website is, and I want everybody to come. I'm sure you're also giving some kind of great digital tours as well. Uh, he's fabulous also on Instagram. That's Aaron. We have a lot of good friends here. We have our good friend Mark Pickles as well. This is Boker Tov, already a fascinating discussion. You bet, Mark. We're not we're not wasting our time around here, okay? We're not playing around. This is serious. All right, we got we got some we're gonna start it off strong. So absolutely, Mark uh, writes great articles also at Times of Israel. Check him out. Uh, and he's got a great perspective. And Jay said, as I said to you before, he says uh, my mother is recovering, and Allison says hello from Manchester, UK. We've got a big UK contingent around here. <clears throat> Thank God. Um, let's go on to the next thing. Let's go on to the next um, yes, come, issue. Time is short, and our work is long. That's right. The time is short, as our work is long. So let me go. Th- oh, I-, I wanted to actually ask you something. I actually had something I wanted to ask you. What, what is the deal uh, of God saying, <clears throat> "I'm going to show up"? And I'm going to speak to you from between the two cherubs, which are on the uh, on the Ark of the Covenant. Why 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 does he say I'm going to speak to you? And the rabbis say it's exactly equidistant between the four wings. Like well, why why is that important? Like talk to me. I don't know. Why, why why do you need to let me know what the point of your of your voice is going to come from? What what what, what am, I, am I? Is that a meditative technique thing? Sometimes I think that. It, it, it definitely is a meditative technique because, as the writer in the Gemara and Brachot says, that that um, that ultimately, you know, this idea that when you're outside of the land of Israel, you face Israel to pray. When you're in Israel, you face Jerusalem. When you're in Jerusalem, you face the Temple Mount. From the Temple Mount, you face the Holy of Holies. If you're inside the Holy of Holies, it says you should face the space between the Kruvim. Right. So this is a point of consciousness. Right. Um, and you know what it puts me in mind of is um, Rashi. Earlier in, in Shemot, when God is giving the commandments around the new moon and the Pasach offering, says that he, that Aaron and Moshe Aaron and Moshe spoke to the people. And Rashi says, what, what do you mean Aaron and Moshe? Moshe spoke to the people. 
says, well, no, really, they honored each other and basically said, you, you go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead. And each one in honoring the other, it's as a dibur yatsami right? That the, the, the speech actually came out from between them. And I think that this is an important uh, message in terms of what it is we're receiving. We're not actually getting what God says. We're getting what God says that we can hear. That there's a point of contact then, which one, on one hand is an incredible thing, that humanity is able to receive the divine. On the other hand, be careful and understanding that it's Yotzemi Nekrovim, like it's not straight from God, so to speak. Right. That there's this point of relationship, which is always relevant in communication. I can tell you as a counselor, right, the, the, the fact that you say something does not mean that you know what another person heard. Right, Most sure. You have no idea what they're saying. Right. But even if you know what you're saying, Right. It's not necessarily mean you know what another person or you have to appreciate the communication happens in the space between. And, and you say that as a counselor, that's true, certainly in, in, in marriage, counseling relationships. It's also true in the law oh, uh, yeah. to, to, to understand exactly what transpired. Uh, we have, there's, many, there's a lot of scientific evidence about how people perceive things and, and, and how skewed perception is. And our rabbis are, are very cautious about, about to investigate and, and to... Um, how do we lachkor edim? How do we say that? To uh, to um, question the witnesses. Questions the witnesses. All right, let's go on. Time is limited. Uh, the next thing that we learn about is the show table, the 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 table of bread, the show bread. Showtime. Show bread. Yeah. Show gonna Harlem. Uh, that's from when I was a kid. Um, uh, if anybody remember. Oh, oh yeah. Before I go on, I just want to say homework for everybody listening to the show today, either live or later or on podcast. Uh, I just want to say. I want to say, um, tell me about how you send me an email about your vision of the cherubs. Do you do you have any kind of drawing of that, like we did with the ladder of, of Jacob? Do you have a, a vision of the ark of, of the, the ark of the covenant, the Arona Brit, uh, the Luchota Brit? Do you, do you have a vision of that? Do you do you use it as a meditative te- technique, like like in your house? Is there a picture somewhere uh, of the ark or any of the vestments, really? Like what are the vestments? Like right here, I'm looking in my room. I was like wondering what vestments they have. And just a quick look, I see the menorah is really part of the uh, of my like you know meditative technique because I, I think a lot of these things can also be turned into tools of, of meditation trying to no question see through this uh, godly the showbread is probably not one that most people meditate on but it has it's one of the three vessels that has a crown it has a little crown and this crown stands for kingship right keter yes. malchut uh, this is the this is the prosperity that flows through the kingdom and the kingship and the king. Uh, and so we have the showbread. Um, do you want to say something about the showbread and the, the weird U-shaped breads that were switched out every every week inside lechem the apani. tabernacles? And why is um, it called lechem apanim anyway? Does well, bread Rashi have face? Because it's yeah. You know, well, Rashi says because it's shaped like a U, like this, right. that it's got panim lel panim. That it's a, it's got face to face with itself. So it's got um, a little cherub action going on there, actually. Uh, to, to a certain degree, yeah. Oh, I mean, all I would say is about the you know that the um. <laughs> that the that the table represents you know sustenance in Parnassah, right? As opposed to as it faces the menorah and, and with its light, that's sort of wisdom. And, and I think it's it's a very important to appreciate that that this flows from the divine. It flows from the divine. It's a key element of our relationship. And again, in fighting against the abstraction and the spiritualization of our our relationship to God, that that um, you can you can 
experience God in the bread that you eat, in the money that you earn, in the hard work that you do, as much as you can in the prayers that you pray, in the Torah that you learn, and the and the thoughts that you contemplate. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, what could be more iconic uh, for the Jewish people than the menorah? The menorah, uh, seven seven uh, candelabra. Seven branched candelabra. Seven branched candelabra. That's right. Um, and I love this. The, the, like once you get used to the next thought in Judaism, all you folks out there that don't don't come from the Jewish tradition, I just want you to know the way we do it is is that we'll say to you, uh, the menorah looked like this, but it could have also looked like this. Okay, we have we have perhaps <laughs> right. That's right. And and I have here. Where's that little? There's like a here they are here. I don't know if you could see this right now. Um, I'll put it up in front of the screen, but. You know, it's the rounded kind, it's the straight-out kind, and it's also the straight with a curvature kind. Uh, there's there's different versions of it, and there's different kind of spiritual meanings to it, and there's different traditions of it. Now, archaeologically speaking, almost all of the archaeological evidence that we found of people drawing it in different places was rounded. I just want to say that out there, okay? Almost, almost exclusively we have found rounded versions from different centuries and different times. So that's one. On the other hand, we have the famous drawing of the Rambam, which has them straight, and Chabad has has taken it upon themselves to kind of promulgate that perspective. And then there's even a third one where it's kind of half and half, where it's straight, but it has a curvature at the end going up. You but anyway, <laughs> what's that? No, it's it, but 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 it, but I want to say that the menorah, which is so iconic, is also we're just used to it. But really, it's kind of weird. It's really kind of weird. And it's so weird that Moshe Rabbeinu had a hard time, according to Rashi, according to, to the Gemara, he had a hard time getting it. He didn't understand what was going on. So there's one version that God showed him, a fiery menorah. And there's another sh- version that God's like, just throw the gold into the fire. It's going to come out. It. Yeah, don't I mean, worry the, about the, it. The written description, in the Kaftor of Ferach, the Kanin, it gets quite complicated. I mean, as someone who, who learns the parasha with Nerstein Mikrechat Targum with Rashi every week, this is part. This part is a challenge because Rashi is is like basically attempting to describe to you how you would tie your shoelaces in 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 uh, you know in prose, and he's like trying to explain each detail in a way in which those of us who can't instantly picture the you know the description of the Torah can grasp, and it's quite verbose. <laughs> it's a this is not a simple task. Okay, so so I just want to say that the 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 uh, we, we're lo- low on time. So I say the the other major thing that's discussed in this Torah portion is, as we said, the vessels of we did the uh, Ark of the Covenant, the mino- the the showbread table, the menorah, and then we have the big mizbeach, which is the animal sacrifice mizbeach, the altar. Uh, well, you did it. That's right. Um, and and then the other thing is the actual kind of yard, or should we say the the structure uh, the of the the courtyard, the tabernacle, and how it's and and also the the tent of it, which is the the three or four different coverings that you may have, including a potential unicorn-like covering, swimming is, unicorns. Uh, there's there's another there's a dolphin version of it as well. There's many there's many versions. Multicolored swimming unicorns. That's right. Now 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 I heard that uh, I, I was listening to Rabbi the great Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Weinberg, a real old school, you know, 
a real old school rabbi uh, teaching it, uh, and I, I just love to hear his voice. Although I, I listen to it, I learned from our friend Zev. I listen to it at two times speed. Yeah, uh, but it, <laughs> he, but he's great. But he's so great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he said he said something that I wanted to kind of tell him that he made a little mistake. He said, "Where would they get dolphins?" Truth is, uh, the the Red Sea has dolphins. Yeah, I have seen them myself. Yeah. Uh, they are not multicolored dolphins, or nor is this nor right. Nor is this a narwhal exactly. I but was going to say, be. you know, there are unicorns in the sea. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been a type of narwhal, um, but we don't know what it is. And, and Rashi says this was an animal just for its time, uh, a, v- a very special and a very beautiful thing. And there's this a lot is of talk. The first indication that the Jews caused the extinction of a species. Oh no! Oh, blame oh, us. <laughs> and and by the way, I just want to say that this week's Torah portion is the first mention of Tchelet. And the good folks, uh, one of the sponsors of our show, the Tchelet folks, T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T, uh, the Tchelet.com folks, uh, have actually a raffle right now that you can win your own beautiful, like, top-of-the-line talit for uh, Yamim Noraim for the high mm-hmm. holidays. Uh, so so go to Tchelet.com, check it out. Uh, if you put in, um, why, oh, Lou Weiss, Lou Weiss corrects me. Oh, my gosh, I made a mistake. Uh, he says, Tzvi Hirsch Wine Reb, not Weinberg. Correct. Oh. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, Aaron, who's a Chabadnik, it's got to be told, he says, it is possible that the second temple period, it was round, and the first temple period, it was straight. And he it's says, really after possible. after all, there were many incorrect things in the second temple. Ooh, Chabadnik. That's right. He smashed. That was smooth at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I and love and it. and what you're seeing right now, if you don't get what we're talking about, this is the heart of Judaism. Oh, yeah. uh, the heart of Judaism is these little discussions. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe was Lubavitcher Rebbe was very adamant uh, on that it was a straight, uh, uh, not rounded menorah, and and very very interesting discussion. And and the beauty is that kind of both are true. Both are true. That's that's the beauty. Or and both can symbolize different aspects. Different mystical aspects, different issues. Uh, by the way, just I want to say that Aaron says my Instagram is Tour Guide Aaron uh, at Instagram. It's one of the best Instagram accounts. He's really, he's always been on top of that and, and shows really beauty of Eretz Israel. So check that out. And Ariella says, uh, she says Shalom from La Fierra, Texas. Oh, even one down there. I hope. No, I think they actually have a major snowstorm in so Texas. I said, like, that's why I said, keeping oh. warm down there. I oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. I don't know why that's in the news, but it is. Uh, but uh, I want to I finish off. R- Rev. Mike Foyer, by the way, people yeah. can find you at um, um, jewishstory.co and uh, revmike.com for both uh, for both more of your other show, which is the Jewish, uh, Jewish Story, which is a Jewish history podcast, one of the best uh, there is out there. Um, in fact, I'm a little bit behind right now just because I'm trying to catch up on a lot of different contents, including Dafyomi, which had amazing things yesterday. If anybody has a chance to catch a Dafyomi, look up page Paz, Pezine, 87, incredible Agadot, including yeah, the, the, the mention. Are right now? We're in Psachim. That's right. We're in Psachim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, All the way through, it's more, there's more than just that Daf. Keeps going. Oh, yeah, yeah. But just yesterday's Daf was a mind blower, and I have to go back over it. 
Um, but people can check out your Jewish uh, history podcast, which is called Jewish Story, jewishstory.co, and also avail themselves of your spiritual counseling, fabulous assistance that you give to so many people, and that's found at ravmike.com. Yes. So big yeshikoch, and thank you so much for joining me today um, on the Yishai Fleischer Show. I just want to finish off by actually talking about what I should have talked about in the beginning, but I didn't consult my notes here, and that is... Uh, the the quintessential verse of this whole thing, and one of the famous verses of the Bible of the Torah, which is Vasuli Mikdash Veshachanti Betocham. Everybody, turn your Bibles, your Torahs to Exodus Shmot Chafhei Chet twenty five eight. In that verse, there says Vasuli Mikdash. They'll make for me a sanctuary, a holy place. And I will dwell within them. Just last night with uh, at dinner with the kids, I said to them, give me a few different explanations for this verse. And uh, my kids did so. And they range from build me a temple and I will be within the Jewish people, but make it a holy place because that is how I can exist amongst you. You have to make me a mikdash, not a bite, but a mikdash. It needs to be holy so that I could dwell amongst you. All the way to... Vasuli Mikdash, keep your body holy. Put on those tefillin for men. You know, keep your body holy. Keep it healthy. Veshechanti betucham, and I will dwell within you. Make your body into a temple, not in a Greek type of way, which is all about, so that's not making it a temple, but making it a, a self-serving, idolatrous place. Rather, make it a temple for me to reside within you in your thoughts and in your body, uh, and, I, and I will be within you. So that is the quintessential sentence and a statement of, of this Torah portion. I wanted to ask you about it. Well, I would say really it's where we began, though you didn't mention it. It's because this idea that the physical world is not other than God, and that, and that through harnessing wood and stone and gold, I mean, that's a language of the Bible, don't worship gods of wood and stone. No, but worship God with wood and stone. Meaning, you can make a mikdash, your capacity as tool makers, as builders of the world, as creative individuals, has, an, has a, a potential to build sacred vessels. And when we put our abilities to that task of building sacred vessels in the physical world, then, then God will meet us there. That's what I would say. And what, what, about, and what about the... What about the self? What, what about the duality of this verse that also is like, the duality is what we were talking about before, which is there's there's Mishkan and Mikdash. Sometimes you're on the road, you got to be your own personal temple in this world. Like, like uh, I, I mean, I, I have a take on this about women and men. This, 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 if, if to stereotype the roles that, that men are out there, have to go out to the world and, and the wife represents the home, then I say that that's why we actually have different scrolls that that keep us holy. The men, it's a scroll on my arm against my heart and on my head against my mind. And so that is a portable scroll, and that's for me to go on my way in my life. By the way, the phylactery, the tefillin, phylacteries is a bad word, the tefillin on my head actually look like the temple. There's 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 a, there's a, there's a similarity there, but for women, and I'm saying this in a stereotypical fashion, so don't don't try to you know get me on it. I'm not saying that you know women are limited to the house. I'm not saying that at all. But in 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 uh, in classic gender roles, uh, the mezuzah represents the scroll for the woman, 
which is to bring godliness into the home and into the family, and, and, and therefore she doesn't have to put it on her arm and on her head, which uh, the man has to kind of go and, and go out, but rather to bring it into to the household. So I always say this is the, the woman's scroll or the woman's like tefillin, and, t- and, uh, and uh, the, you know, the, the tefillin for the woman is the mezuzah. It's just a way of thinking about these things. Um, um, but there's also the what I wanted to ask you also about the ability to make your self a holy vessel mm-hmm. like how do you make yourself a holy vessel I will dwell within you also within you individually I, I would say that um, taking seriously the importance not just of like the health aspect of one's physical self but the fact that, that this is how we act in the world right right one of the, one of the great sort of powers of physical existence is this is where change happens this is where action is real it's where the tire hits the road and even though it also comes with all the limitations and the breakdowns and the complications in the end of the day the life of the mind will not affect the world until it finds action in the body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i would say that that um that's really our mission that's why the torah is so focused on action that's why the mitzvot are to be done in the world and and I, I just want to then uh, take that sentence that you just that statement that you just made and just turn it into actionable, which is let's make one thing holy uh, this week. If we could work on it, it's our mouth, it's what we say, it's how we say it, it's the love that we share through it, it's the lashon hara, the, the the slanderous talk that we don't share through it, it's how we eat, it's what we eat, uh, it's really the thing that that is one of the greatest powers of holiness in this world is, is speech, and, and the mouth is a great gift. Uh, it's usually a great gift when it stays shut, um, but um, but if it's going to speak, let it be speaking words of holiness. Amen. Uh, Aaron Schaefer, our friend, says, "You should tell the truth. You're a chabadnik too. Just because I pray in a chabad, sh- just because I pray in a chabad shul, uh, enjoy the hayom yom, uh, say the tehillim of the day, and have some pictures uh, around my house of Dilbav Cherevi, and believe in his precept of being in shlichut." Yeah, I guess that does make me a, a partial Chabadnik, but More I think I think in many ways this whole generation has been has been influenced very much by by Chabad. Uh, but I still hold on to some Litvak inside the Pintula Litvak, you know, inside you can't let that go. Well, I'm going to um, release my inner Yeki and tell you I have to go. That's right, and therefore I'm going to release Zev's phrase to you, which is Chazak Umevurach, be strong and be blessed. Rav Mike Foyer, thank you so much for joining us, and God bless you and Shabbat Shalom, and yeah, have a great Zion Adar, and I can't wait to talk with you next week about Megillat Esther, the great heroine. Shabbat shalom. Bye-bye. All right, folks. That was Rav Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And we'll be back here uh, later on. Uh, I'll be back live again uh, today with Malka Fleischer. uh, And we can't wait to, uh, to reconnect with you. So God bless you. Stay strong. Stay connected. Stay full of love. uh, Stay holy. Stay awesome. Stay part of the story. More great stuff is on the way. And shalom. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from snowy Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom to all of our friends from all over the world, including Ida Wax, who says, Shalom, Ishai sounds Ida. great. Ida, sorry, sorry. Ida says, uh, 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 Shalom, Ishai sound is great. Larry says, Shalom from Teenex sounds and looks great. Snow 
It looks like ours. Yes, we we finally got some of that. Maka's from Texas originally. I'm from New Jersey uh, later on in life anyway. And uh, we've both been watching everybody else with the snow. Now we have our own snow. And, of course, my beloved mom, uh, Dr. Fleischer, says shalom. Shalom, mom. God bless you. And shalom to everybody out there. And Maka, uh, your your hopes and aspirations and greatest dreams were fulfilled today when it finally snowed yes, here in Judea. It is exciting. It started off a little rocky. Uh, the forecasts were that last night it was supposed to start snowing. And basically, our kids didn't sleep well. I didn't sleep well because I think we were anticipating that snow. And then we woke up in the morning. Zippo. Nothing. FS. <laughs> No snow, zero precipitatia, and we were just like let down. Some people cried, happens not to have been me, but some people cried. There was some anger, there were some existential questions, faith issues. But then we kind of pepped everybody up again, and people were doing okay, everyone kind of recovered. And then this afternoon, I guess around 3.30 p.m., it started to snow. Finally, it really happened. Um, it mildly restored my faith in meteorology, but only mildly. Um, and we're hoping that some of the snow is going to stick and be really pretty and nice. It, it is actually, as I'm looking out, our, our studio has a window, so I'm looking out the window. There's no snow happening right now, but everybody's waiting. As we were, the, as the snow came in, we were running errands um, here in Judea together. And I asked you, Isha, I wonder how many people, how many like uploads of snow photos and videos are happening right now that people are so excited. We were standing outside a store and the workers in the store like ran out with their cell phones and were videotaping the snow. For some of you out there, like especially in the in England and in Sweden and in uh, in America, in the north, and especially in the tri-state area, you're just like, snow, like, this is so boring. Why are you guys talking about this? But here in <sighs> Judea and in Jerusalem area, it's rather rare to get a snow. So everyone has been very excited. It's rare, but it's also uh, good for our grapevines, right? We have grapevines they live here in, in our region, in Goshetzion, all the way to the Hebron Hills and up north to Jerusalem. This is grape country. And right. it, what's really great for grapes is snow. And it's so, a nice freeze. Yeah. If you look behind us right now, if you're watching, uh, if you're watching us on some kind of, of one of the video abilities, then you'll see, uh, the mountains of Hebron and Chalchul, uh, uh totally covered in snow, and that's actually great for the grapevines. They love it. Uh, we have a lot of people saying hello from places like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mary says shalom. And um, where else did I see that? We have, we oh, have. here, check this out, Maka. You want snow? I'll give you all of my 25 centimeters from Ontario. Wow. I would take it. <laughs> I would take it. Here, how about this one up here? We got Terry, who says, good morning from Indiana, where it's one degree Fahrenheit with almost a foot of snow. It was minus six early this morning. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Mary says, what, seven inches here in this morning. Wow, that's a lot. Oh, my gosh. And then, and but then, then you got Moshe Kiva Ben Avram, who, who says, says it, it never, never snows, snows in Costa Rica. Rica. That's right. It does not that snow. Sounds in like Co- a, that sounds like a country song. <laughs> it never snows in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> but Erica, but it sure does snow in Sweden. Okay, because Erica's from Sweden. She That's says right. shalom. So we have folks from all, all over the world. 
At the end, it's the grapevines. There's another kind of vine that enjoys the snow of, of Judea, and that's the Jewish children living in this land. And the Jewish children are begging for snow, and, and that's what came today. Right. And that's, that's I think very it was special. An, I, I mean, there's so many people in so many circumstances. I know a lot of people don't like snow or they don't look forward to snow. But I think that children have had a hard year this year. Right. Um, with the coronavirus issues causing them to stay in the house, particularly certain grades here in Israel, especially grades five through ten, five through ten in particular, have um, stayed home for most of the school year, which is very, very hard. And so, you know, a lot of kids, you think to yourself, like, oh, you know, kids love to be out of school, right? Like snow day, everyone wants a day off of school. But these are not days off of school. These are days where kids have school, but they have school on the computer. And it's not so easy to learn like that um, for a lot of people, for most people, I think, for most little people especially. And, uh, you know, like our daughter, Leah, she really felt like she missed out on a bunch of stuff that she was excited for. She was very excited for the teacher that she had this year. And she still has that teacher, but she's just not in her presence very much. Um, she was supposed to be in a school play this year. She was the, in the seventh grade. They're supposed to be in charge of some like decorating the school for Purim this year. They're supposed to be in charge of some other like fun activities for the school in the seventh grade this year. And all that's gone. And so I was happy. You know, it's it's not the Holocaust, right? Like being at home with the Zoom is is not fun. But like everyone's eating and everyone's doing mostly OK, Baruch Hashem. But nonetheless, it's hard. And, and uh, I've been very glad to see, I was so glad to see like the real pure joy on our kids' faces and the, the bright red cheeks as they came in from the snow. Um, that was nice. Thank you, Hashem. That was nice of you. That's right. That's right. I hope a little bit more snow will be coming uh, the rest of the night. And, and there are some Psalms that talk about like the snow in the land of Israel and how Hashem sends his frost. And I've talked before about how it's like the manna. Uh, and there's something very beautiful about about the hills here becoming, you know, white. There's something about the pure, purity of white. Uh, it says so in the Psalms, like uh, I'll I'll be white in the snow. I'll be I'll be cleansed like snow. Uh, so there's something very cleansing about it all. And for a second there, there's like no terrorism and no tensions and no anything when when just the things kind of get blanketed. Uh, well, you were you were mentioning to me, Yishai, <laughs> that you were at work in Hebron and you had a conversation with uh, some local Arabs about the snow. Yeah, they were asking me. We we, we were talking about snow. And it's, it's like the thing that brings us all together. Yeah, it's, it's like coffee and snow. Those are the things. <laughs> Black and white. Okay, that's the way we see it around here. Uh, the other thing is, I want to say that uh, something else that needs to be blanketed right now and, and covered up is the story that people are talking about, which is that uh, um, that President Biden has not reached out uh, to Prime Minister Netanyahu to say hello and to send any kind of... Uh, any kind of uh, greetings or well wishes or or hope for the future or a vision for the future. There's just been incommunicado. And, you know, these are men that know each other for a long time already. And so it's a little bit like, it's a little weird. And for and, some... And that's not, I'm not sure that's so typical also for the uh, U.S.-Israel relationship for right. a president to kind of cold shoulder um, Israel's leader. Okay, and uh, add to that is that the Israeli JNF, the Jewish National Fund, the Israeli wing of it, uh, made a decision to also continue to do what they've already been doing, but make it an official decision, which is that they're going to be buying up land from Arabs, mostly, in Judea and Samaria, in the so-called West Bank, in the so-called settlements, right? Or these areas, or in other words, where, where uh, heroic people live uh, to reclaim their ancestral homeland. 
Um, I, I see that Lou says right now that the audio video is not clear. Okay, I think we're back in better video. I think that should I hope be so. that should be. Uh, uh, Lou, let me know if the audio video is is uh, shaping up right now. I saw that uh, it was telling me that there was some lack of clarity. I hope it's come back. Let me know, folks, how you're seeing us. Uh, in any case, um, so so Joe Biden has not called President Biden. I don't like to call people by their first names like that. Uh, you know, when he was the eating. president of the That's United right. States. That's right. I respect the office. We respect the United States. That's right. And respect I, I the respect president. the office. I respect the office. Right. So in any case, uh, he hasn't called. And so a lot of people are like nervous about this, especially the the people that work in U.S. Israel relations. But I say nothing to worry about. You know, there's nothing to worry about. Oh, there's been a rumor. There's been a rumor yeah. that it's the folks from the Lincoln Project who mm. are working, who were working for the uh, Biden camp and the right. anti-Trump camp, who are now working for Gidon Sar here in Israel, which is a, who is a competing, who is a former member of the Likud. Um, a, a good right-wing politician who has come out against uh, Prime Minister Bet- Benjamin Netanyahu. He's kind of been in Netanyahu's shadows in the Likud for a long, long time, and I guess right. he got sick of it. And he basically said that he's not going to sit in a government with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu if Netanyahu is made the coalition leader. Right. Um, and he's gotten with him now several... Pretty good right wing politicians. Let's just be honest. We, we call them nationalists. Nationalists. Here, okay. Good. Right, right Nationalistic wing. and Jewish value. You know, uh, Jewish values based um, politicians that we have really liked in the past. Um, but he kind of went rogue a little bit um, against Prime Minister Netanyahu and has hired these Lincoln Project um, campaign people to run his campaign. Hired and fired. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, I heard about the firing as well. Right. But the rumor is, the rumor is that uh, these Lincoln Project folks are the ones that sent a message to Biden, right. to President Biden, do not call right. to try to influence the election. Yeah, and make it, make it, uh, make it, put pressure uh, on the public. To, to not vote for Netanyahu because he doesn't right. have a good U.S.-Israel relations. And of course, if you have any kind of memory, you remember that about 45 seconds ago when President Trump was president of the United States, it's like there couldn't have been, it was like sleepover party level friendship <laughs> yeah. between President Trump yeah. and Prime Minister Netanyahu. Yeah. They just like, every time they were in a room together, they looked yeah. like they wanted to like skip around the room yeah. they were so happy to be together they were wearing their and their their make america great again and make jammies. israel great again jammies that's right <laughs> okay the jimmy so, jammies right so uh but so wait. it's like a stark it's a stark contrast it is it is and here mary writes uh mary maudlin writes we Malden, i believe Malden. Okay. So she, she says, we sincerely apologize for ignoring PM Netanyahu. we believe that this will make the, we believe this will be made right correct Blessing Israel. So I want to say to you something, Mary, and, and folks out there. I wouldn't worry about it. When President Biden uh, doesn't call Prime Minister Netanyahu, it A, means less pressure on us to do stupid things, like giving away our land. Uh, oh, I was saying the JNF released a, 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 a memorandum right. saying that they're going to be buying land in Judea and Samaria after such a decision. But guess what? Guess what happened? What happened? The State Department condemned that. Oh. The State Department. The State Department got into. Raise your hand if you know of a Secretary of State who would never have done something like that. Right. Okay. Right. But the, but the State Department is going to issue 
what a private organization, an, a, a condemnation of what a private organization is going to do with its money to buy property from people who are willing to sell it. That is really right. That's, that, like, that's really wrong. That's uh, micromanaging. If right. I ever so, thought. so, so, right. So Kobe here writes to me, he writes, no need to worry. America has way bigger things to deal with. And that's exactly my point. The fact that, that President Biden hasn't called President Prime Minister Netanyahu is fine. It's fine. It's the first thing most Israelis don't give a rat's patootie about. We it because, also have our own things to deal with. Yeah, we got America our own has our other own things. We have our own things. Right. And so, so most people don't even care. They just don't care about it. So that's number one. And the second thing is that it doesn't make it doesn't make President Prime Minister Netanyahu look bad. It makes it makes President Biden look bad. I okay? think so. And it makes it, him look bad in the eyes of Israelis who are like, okay, this guy's not right. not a, a player with us. He's he, he's not somebody that we could partner with to do stuff. So we're just going to have to find other ways. And we have an opportunity right now to actually. Everybody says this is a shift in the U.S.'s. A view on on Israel. Well, maybe uh, as a friend of a good friend of mine suggested, maybe it's actually a shift of how Israel should view America. Maybe we have to be more independent in our policy. And uh, there's been a door opened to stronger relationships regionally with our regional right. partners, which right. were which were facilitated, which right. the I mean, openness was right. facilitated by the last administration. Okay, I so. think there were some people who wondered whether the Abraham Accords were going to fall apart um, after Donald Trump left office. It doesn't seem like that. No, um, I, the, the I, UAE I think... just just uh, like crowned their first ambassador, and he's the the whole internet is ablaze because apparently he's this like really really exceptionally good looking person. <laughs> And so Israeli women are all commenting on the new ambassador from the UAE. <laughs> I did it's not, all over I Twitter. Did, I did not catch that one. I, yeah. did not, I missed so, that one. I missed that one. So it, it seems like the warmth is still there. Mm-hmm. And it seems that uh, things are moving forward. Uh, you know, it's so very different, right? Because some people might say, well, wait a second. You know, Ishai and Malka, like, you, what, you don't care about America's relationship with Israel. Just a minute ago, you guys were so excited about America's relationship with Israel and the Trump administration uh, and the closeness with Israel's uh, Netanyahu administration. Like, isn't that a little hypocritical? And I would say it's not hypocritical because it is totally reasonable to be um, excited and enthusiastic about making progress here in Israel. Um, and having good relations with the United States. But in the end of the day, the Jewish people always have to remember that they have themselves to rely upon, and they have Hashem to rely upon especially. Um, and to have a great friend is a great thing, but we can live without a great friend also. That's right. That's right. And, and, and right. We, we can still have great friends in the United States, but not necessarily in the American administration. Right. Uh, and also, by the way, there's another bigger question, which is the question about American Jewry. And a big chunk of which have supported this president. I think there's another healthy thing that's happening in this incommunicadoness, and that is that some of our uh, friends who who said, "Listen, uh, we'll vote for Biden because he's better for America," uh, and you guys are just going to have to make it on your own. It's like they're going to be very hurt right now that that you know they are pro-Israel people and they see that this president is really sticking it to Israel. And remember, this is part of the team, part of the Obama-Biden team that created a, a UN Security Council Resolution two three three four, which was deeply anti-Israel, anti-Semitic. He's basically rehired all the old Obama people, also. Right. 
It's he's not even remotely attempting to create a like a, some kind of new vision, a new administration. He took all the old people from his boss and he gave them their jobs back. Bottom line is, if you're too busy to call, no biggie. Catch you later, I, man. I sort of hope he doesn't call. It's just like I it, sort of hope he never calls. It's it's cool. Like we'll just keep doing our stuff, and you do your stuff. God bless you. We really hope we we really care about the United States of America. We love the United States of America, and we would love for it to just go up and up and be more and more successful and more happy and more healthy and more everything good. But we have our own country, and we have our own considerations, and uh, we have to. You know, stay true to that. And we have many other allies, too, around the world, around the world. Good people, just individuals, groups and countries. And uh, and whoever let's just let's just make it clear, Maka, whoever blesses Israel is blessed. And whoever doesn't want to bless Israel is is not as blessed. It is what it is. So, so that's it the way is it, is. What it is. Let me let me let me just uh, for a second click on on some of the folks that have said some some nice things. Our good uh, friend uh, Johan John Biju George says, <clears throat> "No need to worry when God is with you. Put your trust in Hashem above everything." Amen. You got it. Straight we, up. You got it, Johan. You got it. Um, Paul says. It is the principle. It is the principle of it. It's disrespectful towards an ally. Yes, it is, but it's but it's overtly disrespectful. We didn't expect anything different, to be totally honest. I think we. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I was. I, I was. I'm not. I'm not in any level of shock. I just. Can I tell you something? I prefer overt disrespect than cunning disrespect. Right, like sweet talking. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer that. It's much better this way. That's my point. Uh, our friend uh, Iocan23 says shalom from Kentucky. That's a state I've never visited. And Lou, that would be fun. I'd like to go, go to Kentucky. Go There's some a, bluegrass. That's right. That's right. Um, Lou says more important are Biden's policies regarding Iran. Hopefully, he doesn't get back to the terrible Obama deal. But the signal is yes. You know, I don't know. We'll the, see. The, the signal is that that's the direction it's going. Well, there's a lot of people who are saying things right now. Uh, I like this one. Israel's doing great. God is with you. I feel that way as well. You know? I feel that way as well. And we just went, to, we did a mini shopping right now. One of, uh, one of my, my son uh, broke one of my old hammers. We got a new hammer, got some, some Purim costumes, got some four cheese calzone. Yes. Extra kosher. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was very that good. That was good. Okay. With a homemade spice blend. Here, um, YW says, I'm happy he's not calling Israel. Um, Israel, Israel needs, needs to, to be, be dependent on itself, not on the U.S. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and here is I can says you got Cyprus. I really re- uh, like the remarks that BB and the president of Cyprus made a couple of days ago. Cyprus is a fabulous ally, and it is very important to have good relations with Cyprus. And and the truth of the matter is, uh, to, to it's a little bit funny that you say that because Cyprus is like a half a tiny island uh, in the Mediterranean without a lot of military strength. But on the other hand, I'll let me say it to you a different way, which is the truth is, is that Israel's relation with Cyprus means that Israel is going to be more concerned with being a naval power in the Mediterranean, which I believe is really one of the most important things that Israel can be right now to protect those gas fields, right. those natural gas fields in the Mediterranean off of our, you know, in our, in our, uh, uh, right in our coastal waters. You can we also actually- have Greece, but I think that the point that Iacona 23 is making, uh, and the point that you made, Ishai, is that Israel has an opportunity now, an opportunity I don't remember it having so much in the past, to, to like involve itself regionally. It used to like be so, so isolated that it was this like 
little oasis in the middle of a lot of enmity. But now Israel is like one of the countries in the Mediterranean. It's one of the countries in the Middle East. Um, and that's very exciting. And, and we definitely should be focusing more on what that means and what our place is here. Uh, I have to send a new link to somebody that we are just going to try to have in a minute. I made a mistake of which link I sent him. So I'm just uh, sending him the link in a second. We have a very uh, important interview, a short interview that we're going to do, but a very important one. Um, and we'll get him in a second. But in the meantime, Malka, this is a great opportunity yes. for me and you to talk about some of our new sponsors. Yes, okay? very exciting. And I just want to also welcome all of you again, those of you who are watching or watching live uh, we are broadcasting live on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. Please be our friends on Facebook and Twitter. Um, please hit like on our videos. That really helps with the algorithm and helps other people to get our message also. Um, and we want to, uh, as you're saying, Yisha, we want to thank our sponsors. That's right. We have two new sponsors, Malcolm. Wow. I'm very excited about two new sponsors that have come onto the show Great very stuff. recently, right? One is actually a very cool and different kind of sponsor that I've never had that kind, which is called Energy CX, uh, which helps businesses meet their energy needs and sustainability goals in all 50 of the U.S. states. Uh, they help synagogues, schools, businesses, retails, industries. If you flip on a light switch, uh, they can help you make new kosher energy, save money, uh, lower your electric bills, and figure out great ways to uh, use uh, your energy in a better way. And they're just just very, very cool. And if you tell them that Yishai sent you, you'll get 18% off, high percent off, and that's EnergyCX, EnergyCX.com. So cool. You want to lower your energy bill? Right. And at your company and feel good about yourself, do good for the environment. That's right. And, and it's like a cool thing that we're advertising because we've always advertised only Israel stuff. But this is different because this is the kind of this is advertising for a greener world, a better world, a safer world uh, and spending your money better. So check out Energy CX. They're fans of our show. They support us. So thank you very much for that. And we also have a brand new uh, uh, a sponsor for the show. Malka, tell us about yes, it a little bit. I have to tell you about Silk salon and day spa <laughs> in in Somata Gush in Gush Etzion, uh an incredible lady named Bela Zinger she created like with her bare little hands she created this beautiful salon um, her dream was that it would be a salon where uh, Jewish women could come but also Arab women that anyone in the, the region who wants to feel beautiful and look beautiful um, could come and it would be a place uh, not overly in a political sense right I don't think they're doing like nightly political peace nails yeah peace talks or anything but like a place where local people can go and feel good and happy and warm and safe where everybody knows your name where everybody yeah where everybody knows your name um, and uh, it's a beautiful salon where they uh, make sure that you get what it is that you came in for, for they example, do all kinds of services coloring manicures pedicures facials That's bridal right. packages bat mitzvah packages yes, by we, the way we used a bat mitzvah package That's right. from silk salon and our daughter was just like she felt like a queen uh, the famous uh, chef Jamie Geller calls uh, the place heaven on earth and so check out silksalon.co.il. And I know a lot of you are watching from all over the world, from the UK and from, uh, and from Romania, we talked, we had before, and from, uh, and from African countries and certainly the United States. So what is, what is silksalon.co.il good for you for? Well, you can send a package. You, yes. can, you can get one of your if friends. you know somebody out here who could use a little loving That's right. and a little pampering, especially in these days where things can sometimes feel a little bit tough. 
if you want to do something nice, you know, uh, Passover is coming up. Everyone wants to get doodadded up and feel their best for for Pesach. You want to do something nice for a friend or for a teacher. Um, It's an excellent, excellent gift, and they are very, very caring there and very professional. Right. Finally, another one of our sponsors is Prohibition Pickle. Great Delicious. Great kosher food, including... Uh, we were just making fun of this. Uh, so Chaim, the chef at Prohibition Pickle, the founder and chef of the place, sent me uh, an interchange that he had on Instagram where somebody said, "Why don't you, why don't you stop selling your apartheid pickles?" <laughs> so I told him, "I want some apartheid pickles on some settler salami." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. That's funny. Yeah, so that's Prohibition Pickle. Again, uh, that's here in, in Gush Etzion in Judea, but also online, and you can connect with them. And these are great folks that make oh, Israel happen. I just got happen. a little like, I got hungry just now. I, I also like got I a salivated. Little, I also salivated a little I bit. I salivated thinking about the delicious food of Prohibition Pickle. And they have such a cool restaurant. Yeah. Now like listen, a themed, like old world European restaurant. I, I want to shift gears for a second. Okay. You know, when we were talking about the beauty salon, I remembered a very beautiful lady and her name was Esther Horgan. Uh, she was a mom. She was a, a person, a, a, a French hola. Right. Uh, uh, she lived in a, in a beautiful community. She was loved by her whole, her whole community. And uh, about two months ago, we, we woke up to the news that a woman had been murdered overnight after going on a walk or like a jog just exercise. right outside her town. Uh, a terrorist picked up a rock and smashed her head Unbelievable. Unbelievable. and murdered this, this, this mother, this, this, this Jewish lady. It was just one of those, you know, I, I don't like to talk about terrorism in terms of heartbreak. I, I despise that because to me, I prefer to be angry and say never again and to fight back. But it was heartbreaking. Uh, you could just see that this was it just... It brought down the whole country. Just, the whole country was, was saddened and now, depressed by this. Now, Esther... Reminds us of the Megillat Esther, right? right? The, the scroll that we read on Purim. Just next week. And uh, my friend and oftentimes colleague, Rabbi Tuli Weiss of Israel 365, just fired off like an email that I got yesterday, which is that his organization, which also puts out the Israel Bible, which is one of the most beautiful Eretz Israel focused Bibles, just an incredible product that he's put out. Uh, he and he's something always, to definitely have. Everyone should should have uh, such a beautiful copy on you their must, shelves. You, yeah, you definitely want to have the Israel Bible, and I and I and I would love it if they would be sponsors of the show as well. But in any case, uh, he just came out with something in in the memory of Esther Horgan, right? Which is a Megillat Esther, Megillat Esther Horgan, and uh, on top of that, it's got her illustrations. Her illustrations. It's so I, lovely. I asked him. I said to him, "Is it is it good looking?" He sent me a picture. It's absolutely gorgeous. Right. If you if you go to their website and uh, hopefully Rabbi Tilly Weiss will explain to us how That's exactly right. to get our hands on this beautiful uh, edition of Megillat Esther. Okay, so let me bring in Rabbi Tilly Weiss. Rabbi Tilly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. And uh, we, thanks for having me, guys. You're so fun to listen to. Well, we 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 uh, we, we try really, and yeah, it's good. Snow day. Good well, synergy. Oh, well, I forgot. I need to give you a little uh, a headphone. That's what it is. You, you don't hear him. Okay, Mark is on with us. Rabbi Tully, Rabbi Tully Weiss, Israel 365, the Israel Bible. Tell me about uh, this new product that you've come up with, which is the Esther Horgan es- well, Megillat Esther. So thanks for having me. And I was, I'm a big fan of your show and everything that you and Malka do. You guys are great together. It's a lot of fun to watch. You know, I went to go play a Shiva visit 
when Esther was killed. I didn't know this family, but we did a fundraiser for them. And so I, I, I came and I, I gave them the money that we had raised. Uh, a lot of people were very moved by Esther's death and just wanted to show their love and their support. And as soon as I got to their home during the Shiva, uh, Benjamin, who's Esther's husband, was talking a lot about, you know, he sat me down, he told me all about his wife and uh, I didn't realize, you know, how talented she was and what a special woman she she was. She had so many interests. She was a therapist, but she was also an artist. And uh, he was very focused on Megillah Esther. And, you know, her name was Esther. And he kept talking about Esther and how, just like Queen Esther found favor in everyone's eyes, everyone who beheld Queen Esther loved her so much. That was just the, the, the analogy he kept drawing. And when I heard that she was an artist, so I wanted to, you know, figure out a way to really memorialize her in an appropriate manner so that people should know the name Esther Horgan. And of course, because we have the Israel Bible and we have the Hebrew and the English in our commentary already, we were able to pretty quickly put uh, this this Megillah together. I could show it to you. It's uh, wow. Well, it's. Wow, it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, it is gorgeous. I mean, her artwork was really stunning. And so every every page is different. Every chapter is is different. And it's a real testament to you know, her, her talent as an artist and her passion for Jewish uh, Jewish things. So, so it's how did you how did you get her? Tell me a little bit like how you got Esther Horgan, Alea Shalom, Hashem How did you get her artwork matched up with the text? Like I saw that. Like how did that exactly happen? Tell me about the process. Well, you know, again, because the family was so enthusiastic about doing a project like this to memorialize Esther, so they were amazing. And even though they're, you know, they're in such a, a sad place emotionally, um, I think it kind of gave them something to rally behind, um, especially uh, her husband, Benjamin, who is, you know, he, he took her artwork. He collected it from his home, from her parents' home her parents live in jerusalem i think his father maybe lives in tel aviv he collected everyone's artwork that was hanging on their walls and he took them to a uh, a an art place in jerusalem got everything professionally professionally scanned and then we you know we had a uh, graphic artists and layout people uh take it apart in order to put it with the text of the of the megillah and uh, it came out so nice. It's wow. really, it's really, Tuli. I, I, I remember yeah, Tuli. Like I want to tell so you. Much love in it. Yeah, this is this is a real beauty that you did. This one, this one uh, just takes the cake. And Esther Horgan herself was a 52-year-old mother of six from Tal Menasheh. She was murdered by a terrorist while jogging uh, on December, in December 20th, 2020. So only three months ago. Uh, and you've made this Israel Bible scroll of Esther inspired by her namesake, and it's very beautiful. It's her art, and I want everybody to check it out. And this is an easy way to get it just go to to uh the israel bible.com and you'll see it the there israel the israel bible.com the israel bible.com you'll see there a link to it it's uh, the full link is purchase you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna put it up right now this link we made gonna... it easier for people it's the israel bible.com slash esther you know it's let, pretty let, easy let me, let me, Monica, can you type it out for me i would appreciate that uh no, if if uh, uh, okay, the, I will. Yes. Uh, hold on one second. I'll get it up there. Go ahead. 
they got a letter from Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Rivlin wow. that we included in the in the Megillah. And um, what's unique about the Israel Bible is that we ha we're the only Tanakh, the only Hebrew Bible that has the English translation with the Hebrew line, linear Hebrew. So that's right next to it. You could look at every verse in English and in Hebrew and learn Hebrew. A lot of our wow. readers don't read Hebrew, but they love seeing the Bible in Hebrew. That's right. So right. They're that's able right. to learn which Hebrew. Classic, which is classic uh, Israel 365 style work to uh, really allow anybody and everybody to connect to the words of the Torah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many beautiful ideas in the Megillah. It talks about how by the end of the story, everybody was mitya hadim, the, the people around were coming close to the Jewish people. And uh, there's commentary commentaries that say and we have this in our in our our commentary that in the end of days so also just like in the times of esther the non-jews finally found some kind of respect for an appreciation of the jewish people so too in the end of days that's going to happen as well and we're seeing that we're seeing you know all of these non-jewish people millions and millions so many of them who are listening to your show from from kentucky and from all over the world are fulfilling these ancient promises that were built in to the Tanakh and uh, to the Purim story in particular. I, I, think, I, think, I think that the most important thing is to remember that the Purim story is about the victory in the end. Uh, the Jewish people were persecuted, they were about to be annihilated, and we win. And Esther uh, personally went down. She was murdered. Uh, her family was left without her. But her spirit wins. The Jewish people's spirit wins. Esther wins. Uh, and we persevere through the challenges, through the hardships. And I'm not one to like make it into like, you know, let's just see the light and everything is, you know, uh, even though there's a world of darkness, let's just see the light. Like, I'm not one to just like let this thing slide and let this murder slide. God forbid. But, but uh, if Esther uh, did. Did, did lose her life to, to this terrorism, uh, uh, her spirit will enliven us to continue the fight, to continue that, 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 that spirit of, of Megillat Esther, to persevere, to be proud, proudly Jewish, to fight back against our enemies, which they did, and they destroyed the Amalekites that wanted to destroy them. Uh, and and it, the minute I saw this, Rabbi Tully Weiss, uh, I got strength from it immediately. And, um, right, big yeshikoch for making that happen. We're making it available um, with a donation. It's We're not selling it, it's with a donation. We want mm. to help the family build oh, a... that's beautiful. Yeah, they want to build a memorial park in her memory at the site that she was killed. It's a beautiful area. I was there with Benjamin a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's a, it's kind of scary. I mean, if you're a woman in the neighborhood now, you're going to think twice about about running in that area. Forget a woman. I, I would be scared to run in that area. And the family specifically wants to make sure that people, it doesn't become a, a forest of fear. It's a place of peace. They want it to stay that way. They want to put security cameras there to make sure that people are safe, but they want to keep it beautiful and a place that people can go and we're going to help them. So every purchase of this volume will go to contribute to building a park in Esther's memory. And uh, there's free shipping available in Israel, free home delivery, free shipping in America as well. Um, and I wish we could offer that in Europe, but we, we're not there yet. But you could get the PDF on the website. And uh, in this way, you know, it keeps her memory alive so that her, her death is not in vain. Israelbible.com. Let me just mute this for a second. So it's the Israelbible.com forward slash Esther. 
theisraelbible.com forward slash Esther. That's with a T-H-E-S-T-H-E-R. Uh, and I don't know, like, let me put it to you this way. Just the minute I saw it, I knew that this was, this was something, that this was an achievement and a victory and, and touching. And, um, something I, good to have at the, uh, at the uh, Purim Right. At your at your perm this year, and and, and Jew and non-Jew can read the Megillah right. uh, and 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 feel that 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 story, the power of that story, uh, and the story of, of of light overcoming darkness. And I think when you're when you're holding this uh, Esther Horgan uh, Megillah Esther in your hands, this perm, you're going to feel you're going to you're going to tear up, and you're going to feel the the loss. And the rebirth and the strength but of the, the Jewish strength, people. Right, the, right, absolutely. All right. So, Rabbi Tully Weiss, thanks again so much for joining us, and thank you for this great uh, achievement, this this great piece of work. And it just just look here already. Somebody looked at it. Um, and one second, let me bring that up. Uh, L L Rulavaj says it looks beautiful. Much work put into it. Definitely. Uh, so you could see that people are already looking at it and seeing it. Uh, Tully, thank you so much for being with us, and, and Yeshikar Gadol, happy Purim. Okay, bye, Malka, bye, Yishai. Bye, thank you so much. All happy right. Purim. All right, so that was uh, Rabbi Tully Weiss, and uh, good folks doing great things here in, here in Israel, in the land of Israel. So we want to thank Hashem for the snow. We want to thank Hashem uh, for the opportunity to give our children that snow. Um, and we want... I, I need that, Malka. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I thought I, you needed I, your, your... I thought you were done with that. No, sorry. no, I always have my headphones in just to monitor right, the sound. Right, monitor the sound. Sorry about that. the sound. And uh, Malka, we have uh, anybody listening on podcast will hear the rest of the show today, uh, which include Rabbi Mike Foyer on the Torah portion of Truma, the famous verse, Ve'asuli mikdash ve'shachanti betocham, they'll make for me a temple and I will dwell amongst them. And if you want to hear that, that's also on my Facebook page, on YouTube, and on Periscope, but that was earlier today. And and yesterday, my recording with the folks that made the new uh, Way of the Patriarchs. Uh, so cool. We got board to get game. We, That's right. Uh, the board game. We That's need right. it. We need, we we need that game. We absolutely need and it. And we need that Megillah. We need that McGill. We need some pickles, and we need some pickles. We and need we, our nails done. Nails done, and we have we to need do some it. Cl- good, clean, kosher, healthy, environmental energy. That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about, uh, folks. Wherever you are, lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. If you want to know more about anything that we talked about today, please write me an email: yishai at thelandofisrael.com, which is our parent network, the Land of Israel Network, with many other great shows, or yishai yishaifleischer.com. You can connect to all the stuff that I'm doing there, uh, from articles to. Um, uh, oh, look at this. Here's a good question. Uh, Kobe writes, how would you guys recommend a university student from New York get involved in strengthening Judea? Uh, I'll give you a few answers to that. First thing is that... Uh, First of all, way to go you for being a university student from New York who wants to get involved in strengthening Judea. You've right. already micro done it. I just want you to know right that now, that's, you how we, that's how we got married. Yes. We got married because we were students in New York wanting to make a difference for Judea. <laughs> Okay, so that's first thing is watch out for a bride or husband on that path. Second thing is check out organizations that are doing good stuff like Stand With Us or ZOA, ZOA Campus. They're one of the strongest when it comes to uh, really fighting for Jewish rights in Judea and Samaria. Uh, third thing is uh, get out there and spread the message, right? Spread the message of our rights and, and stand up when people take away our rights. I'll actually be speaking in April. I will be speaking for an NYU group on Zoom about Jewish rights in Judea. So you can utilize that um um, you use those formats, use those discussions, bring speakers onto campus, find the Israel club, make sure that they have a Judean Samaria component, make sure they have an Aliyah component. Uh, and of course that's where you meet the best folks. And so, so many, so many campus organizations I find are very 
like nervous to touch on the issues of Judea and Samaria, which is why uh, it's very important that there are people like you out there who insist that these issues stay in out in the open, basically, right. and and continue to be something that we talk about because otherwise they 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 don't know how to touch it sometimes because they want to you know fit in with the left-wing intellectual establishment and they want to you know not say things like you know jewish people have a right to judea it makes them very uncomfortable to say that we have rights to different things mm-hmm. um so just to be a strong person with a backbone who's willing to say things like that on campus already does a lot um here's my piece of advice to you occupy the occupation anywhere what does that mean it means anywhere you hear the word occupation get in their face and all you have to do is say <laughs> you can do it nicely or not nicely and what you have to say is it's our land thing just say it like that it's okay say, to say the truth it's more truth. than okay it's That's necessary right. say there because is people don't aren't are so afraid to deal with the truth today right. just say there is no occupation the jewish people can't occupy their own land this is our land and sure we want the most rights for the most peoples and most decencies and the real repressor of human rights is the palestinian authority slash hamas and all that but uh, uh, the simple starting brick, the starting foundational point is it's our land. All right, folks, God bless you. Write us an email, yeshai at yeshaifleisha.com, yeshai at the land of Thank you to Moshe Herman, Tabitha, Ben Bresky, who helped make this show happen. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to all of our donors. Thank you to you for being with us. And thank you to Hashem, God Almighty, who has given us the opportunity to live in this great time, uh, in, this, in this great land, in this great moment where we have the schut, the merit, the zechut, uh, to, to be broadcasting His message. We can all broadcast His message. Um, and yeah, click that one. I like that one very much, Malka. Thank you, Isha and Malka. Great remarks. I love Cyprus and Israel. Great. I, I, I have, think we're going to go to Cyprus eventually. I we am have psyched. To go. I'm psyched for Cyprus, okay? Uh, that's it. All right, folks. Lots of love. Lots of blessings. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Lou for helping us out here. Uh, thanks to, who is that over there, Malka? Says Allison, our pleasure. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Catherine says, Tadarabah Malka and Yishai Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. To you. Blessings to you guys from Only the land good of blessings. Health. Enjoy that snow. Shalom. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're, you're part of it wherever you are. And tonight here from Judea, we're going to get biblical. Let's get biblical a little bit. And at the end, uh, it's the Bible and the Torah and the stories of the Torah and the laws of the Torah and the, and, the, and the land of Israel where the Torah took place, especially all the stories of the Tanakh, the stories of the forefathers and mothers that we get so excited about everything that we're doing because we draw our energy from our heritage and from our history. And that's what God wanted. He put into this world beautiful places in the land of Israel, a way to communicate with Him and connect to Him. And this is something that I've been talking about forever uh, on this show and in, in, very, uh, in, in various outlets, including on my Twitter feed and also uh, on Instagram and, and Facebook, all the stuff that we do all the time. And so folks are, uh, uh, are out there connecting to it. But a friend of mine named Amit Barak, who has really uh, pioneered relations between Israelis, Jews, uh, and people of the Bible, people who love the Bible throughout the world, uh, various kinds of Gentiles, uh, Christians and others who love uh, the Bible and are interested in the Bible. Uh, he's pioneered a fabulous new game, which I think is so cool. And the minute I heard about it, I said, we got to do an interview about this. And it's my good friend, Amit Barak. Amit Barak, thank you so much for joining us today. Shalom and welcome. 
Shalom, Ishai. Thank you. So awesome to be with you. And uh, if, if somebody, I'm just going to, for one second, remute, remute, put myself on full screen so everybody could see behind me. You see this thing? It says Way of the Patriarchs, and it's a game uh, that you've created. And I want you to tell me a little about, about this awesome board game that actually walks us through the land of Israel. And this board game is a prototype, which you are promoting through Kickstarter. Uh, and the idea is to have fun in the game, but also to connect you to the places in the land of Israel. Tell me about it. Yes. About two years ago, a friend of mine, Amotzeyal and me, we were sitting and thinking how we bring people to know the way of the patriarchs, which begins in, in Beersheba, in the Negev Desert in the south, goes all the way on the back of the mountains, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, then go to Jezreel Valley and climb up to the Galilee and ends in Nazareth. How do we bring it to people? How do we create awareness when people are coming and visit Israel, that they will come and visit and tour the way of the patriarchs? Some people are coming, you know, they visit Hebron, they visit Shiloh, but they are not aware that it's actually a way, an ancient way, but also today, today it's Road 60 that we use, you and me, every day. And we came up with the idea of, um, of a board game. And we thought that we need, when we develop the game, we understood that it's not only to bring Israel, to bring the Holy Land, the way of the patriarchs into people's living rooms, but it's also to make them more curious and to bring them here, I mean, to, to pull them or to push them to visit, visit the way of the patriarchs when they are arriving in Israel. So basically, it, it's, it's, it's educational. Um, but we, you and I both know, uh, Amit, is that one of the reasons that people don't come here is because they don't know. Other reason, another reason they don't come here as much is because they're afraid and because they've heard rumors that it's scary. And yet another reason is that, uh, is, is that the tour agencies themselves don't always take people here. But when you, you know, go to America and you, you, you hear people talking, they say, take me to Shiloh, take me to Shiloh, take me to Beit El, uh, take me to Hebron. I, I, I didn't know that I could actually engage the tombs of the forefathers and mothers in Hebron. Uh, I, I can't believe that I can touch the tomb of Rachel. Uh, I can't believe that I could be where the tabernacle stood. I can't believe that I can even climb the Temple Mount. And that's a very powerful thing that when, when people realize that the Bible that they've learned is actually lived in and that the real Bible road, uh, the real, um, uh, what do we call it, the Bible belt, right, is, is really in the, in the land of the Bible. People are, are very moved by that. People are excited by that, but they haven't been taught that. This game is kind of a step in trying to teach people that such a thing exists uh, and that they themselves can travel this road. Now, what happens in the game itself? Now, I want let me let me try to let me try to show a picture here for the folks watching right now. There it is, the game itself. That's uh, from my email. Yeah, you can see the game itself. Way of the Patriarchs. Who are the two faces there that you have facing each way? What's that about? I think it's two priests. We took an Israeli artist. He was a, a combatant in an elite unit, but today is an artist. And, and he created the, the, the design of it. And we told him, we are, we are talking about a biblical game that will expose the people 
to the stories, to the places they know. Millions of people are praying and they, and they know, they heard their names. And, and so we told them, yeah, we give you a freedom to design it, to draw what you want. It's a biblical game, begins with biblical sites, but it's go along also to some other periods during the history of, uh, of uh, Israel, the Jewish people and the, and the land of Israel. So he told us they are priests. We follow it. Tell me what happens in the game itself. What, what exactly transpires in the game? So in, in the game, the, the main road on the board is the way of the Patriarchs, beginning in Beersheba. You have to roll a die and move on the board, and you have tasks. When you arrive to Beersheba, to Hebron, you have tasks that you need to open the Bible. I mean, the, the game is, is mostly the, for children. What we thought, the idea was that the family will gather together around the table, and the, the parents, the grandparents, they will they will play and have fun with the kids. You know, today you probably know it. Kids are spending so much time in front of the screens. People ask us, why didn't you do it an online game or an app? We told them, we don't want another game that the kids will spend alone in front of the screen. We want the family to sit together. So they will open the Bible. They will learn with the, the kids, the Bible and the connection to the site. The game will teach them about the site. And they, they will follow the site on the way of the patriarchs. They will learn it's an actual way. When they hear, when they read about Hebron, about Jerusalem, about Bethel, Shiloh, Joshua's altar that was on the news last uh, week, they will see that it's all along a way. And, and you know what? 80% of the events of the stories in the Bible happened in Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem, but most of them along the way of the patriarchs. It's a great uh, endeavor. And indeed, you know, the folks that live here in Judea and Samaria, uh, we, we've been fighting a fight not only to get tourists to come here, but, but for, for world governments and our own government uh, not to tear away this heartland, uh, not create a Palestinian state on it, uh, and instead see the Jewish people thrive here, succeed here, not face terrorism here, make it part of normal Israel. And so uh, one effort has been the simple settlement of, of this land. And that's where the word settlements come from, but not in the sense of like some kind of land takeover, but from the simple sense, like we're trying to settle this land and, and make, it, make it once again, it's really resettle this land and make it again, uh, once again, our own. Um, and there are also forces that want to terrorize us, evict us, uh, and then have a narrative that we're the foreigners. And that's really where this game comes in, where there's a, there's a narrative that the Jewish people are not from here. We're not indigenous to here, that, that, that our history is not really from here. Uh, that's part of the history of Razor, of organizations like UNESCO, which tried to claim that the tomb of Rachel is actually the tomb of Bilal bin Rabbah, which was Muhammad's helper who never showed up in the land of Israel, or that the Western Wall is the Al Burak Wall, or that the uh, um, that the um, that the tomb of the patriarchs, the matriarchs of Hebron, is actually a Palestinian World Heritage Site. There's efforts to erase history, and now one of the main ways that you teach history is you teach your children, right, and you send them to the right schools. But what you've created here is also a game uh, in which it's fun, and pe and it's a way. It's 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 really. 
you're you're trying to make a, a game that's fun, but you're really it's it's education, it's consciousness, it's awareness raising. You're ra raising awareness, raising raising uh, identification with these places, uh, and that that's a that's a that's a very powerful tool. But I have a feeling this is not the only thing that you've done in order to get people connected to uh, to the biblical heartland, which is here in Judea and Samaria. Am I right? Yes, well, I, I, I traveled many times with groups, uh, different groups from abroad in Judea and Samaria. And, and you know what? It's happened a few times that I took, I took them to, to visit the sites, the biblical sites that they know. Um, sometimes better than me, you know, they, when they open the Bible, they even know sometimes better than me. But, but then... It's happened a few times that they asked me, wait, 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 wait. Do you want to tell me that this is the West Bank? <laughs> what what they call about, what they say in the news? And yes, but people are not aware that what they read on the Bible, when they pray, this is here, this is the heartland of Israel, the, the Bible heartland. And they, they took a political term, West Bank, and confuse the people. And so what I'm doing with the game and, and by taking groups and, and visitors and, and by by living here, not far from you, you know, living in Judea, it's exactly what you said before. They are trying to erase a history, but we will fight it. We will fight it because this is our history. That's the cradle of, of uh, the Jewish people and also of monotheism. And, and, and it's all developed along the way of the patriarchs, actually. That's right. Uh, and and I think also another reason why you're making a game out of it is because, strangely enough, Yesha, or Judean Samaria, is fun. There's even a book like that called Yesha is Fun, which is a play off of Yesha Zakan, right? Which is which was a political uh, um, a political slogan that Judean Samaria is here and all over the country. But then they came out of a book by uh, Carniel Dodd called Yesha, Yesha is Fun, or Yesha is Fun. It's all about great places in Judean Samaria. And it really is fun in the sense that it's it's fun to be in the heartland. It's fun to be in this, the spiritual uh, cradle of civilization. Uh, and it's just it's just a great place to be. Uh, and that's why it can become a game and not just something angry. Uh, speaking of games, by the way, uh, Yitzi uh, Kasowitz writes, I want to visit. And Yitzi himself is a great maker of games, of Jewish games. Um, he is the creator of J Brick, which makes awesome uh, Jewish Lego sets. That's right. He, he takes Lego sets, <laughs> makes them into Jewish-themed ones. And, you know, Malk and I, we collect Jewish movies. We collect Jewish toys and products. Uh, we have a, a Temple Mount board game. Uh, so we're very excited to have uh, this Way of the Patriarchs game. And I want you to check out also... Uh, Yitzi's, uh, uh, Yitzi's J Brick, uh, J Brick Lego sets, which is really really neat. Um, the thing is, if if I wanted to buy right now a a uh, a way of the patriarchs, I'm going to be in trouble because you basically have just one prototype because you're in the midst of a campaign to try to get more people into it. It's a Kickstarter campaign, which you can check out at uh, Kickstarter Projects Way of the Patriarchs, uh, and here's the link. I have it up right now. But just to type in Way of the Patriarchs if you're into it. Uh, and so you've only made one so far. Now, this one is more geared towards the Christian biblical audience, right? Um, and you have plans for making it an all-Jewish one. Um, right. 
so tell me a little bit about about the, the you know why why you went for uh, a a more Christian Bible uh, perspective game first, and then later on a Jewish game. Why is that? Well, as, as I said before, I took many visitors in Judea and Samaria. I worked for the Shomron Regional Council in the past for the International Relations Unit, and we brought the uh, influencers from abroad to show them the reality on the ground behind the headlines uh, in Samaria, but I took also to Judea. Well, most of them were Christians. Uh, unfortunately, they are more uh, interested to to visit and to see and less afraid than Jews. So then some Jews, then some Jews. Uh, of course, then some Jews, of course. And because, so because we decided the, first because the Jewish community of Hebron, uh, we fill buses uh, of Jews when, when there's tourism from Jerusalem and, and also Christians. I want to join, but it's definitely a Jewish tour. And thank God they, you know, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Jews come every single year also. But of course, what you're really saying is there's a lot of Gentiles who are Bible believers out there uh, who who are amazed by walking this this land that the forefathers walked in. Uh, and that's the people that, that also um, come as, as a large mass of tourism and bring their wealth and, and bring and spend their money here, uh, but also have a political clout uh, in the United States, which is still, at this recording, the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, cultural and, and economic superpower of the world. Right. And this, this uh, mass part of tourism, again, most of them are not coming to Judea and Samaria. So th this is the reason it was important for us, because we know how many do visit Israel, but are not reaching to, to where we live. And that's the reason we, we first thought about, uh, about them. So and I, in the f go ahead, go ahead, finish your sentence, go ahead. In the future, we are going to develop a, a Jewish uh, edition, of course, as well. Right. You know, my, my daughter uh, saw uh, your, your video. She loved it. She thought it was really great. But she immediately spotted that it had some more Christian themes, uh, which, which, by the way, I think is very fair, meaning to say we promote our Torah. But there's no question that, that, that the people who believe in the Christian Bible have a connection to this land from their tradition. And it makes sense to say to them, okay, from your tradition, here's here are the places, and there's no there's no reason to to deny that. Uh, at the same time, I think that you know it's it's not just uh, uh, Gentiles that want to connect to this land of Israel, and not just Gentiles who need to learn more about it, but rather many many Jews uh, and Israelis. I hope to God that you make a game that's also in Hebrew. Yeah, of uh, course. Because... Go ahead. No doubt about it. Yeah, we, we, we have to we have to teach so many more Israelis about I mean, I mean, uh, you know, we have to teach them about not just where these places are, but who are the famous people and the famous stories that That's made these right. places famous. And one of the things that I'm working uh, with my good friend Jake uh, and people here in Israel as well, and I hope to work with you, uh, I mean, is on actually changing the name of the road, Route 60, to the biblical highway and really create the Israel Biblical Highway and the consciousness like Route 66 in America will have famous Route 60, which is the Israel Biblical Highway, and will act, the game will actually uh, have influenced the very name uh, of the road itself. Uh, Yitzi, just, uh, that I spoke about before from Jbrick, says it's jbrick.com. Thank you, Team Fleischer. Yeah. Thank you, Yitzi. 
Everybody check out jbrick.com. And for you, and for the Way of the Patriarchs game, I'm just going to put it up again. It's at kickstarter.com projects Way of Patriarchs. Okay, that's really, really neat. Uh, and if we're already talking about the Bible, I just want to mention one other sponsor of our show, and that is the folks that make the true blue Jew teal tchelet. Uh, they make the biblical uh, 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 blue on the four-cornered garments from 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 uh, a certain a certain part of a snail. Uh, the the murex trunk trunk. I always forget murex trunkuli or trunkux murula. Murex trunkuli, I think. In any case, right now the folks at Tchele, T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T, Tchele, T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T dot com are having their 22nd annual Ptil Tchele raffle for this Torah portion uh, because this is the first time that the Tchele concept is mentioned uh, in the Bible reading, the Torah reading that we have weekly. The grand prize is a beautiful Talit with Tchele. Uh, that's really neat. First prize is a woolen uh, Talit. A big one, uh, also a talit uh, with uh, with tchelet, and the second prize is a small t- a small tzitzit that you a, a four corner garment that you put on, and then sets of them, um, so on and, and so forth. And there are many many prizes. So if you go to tchelet.com, t e k h e l e t dot com, you can sign up for the raffle. And if you put in coupon code Yishai, you will get five percent off off this wonderful product or maybe biblical gift, or maybe a biblical commandment that has come to be alive again in our time. So that's very special. So you can walk the land. You can, even if you can't get to the land because of COVID, you could play the way of the patriarchs game. Uh, until you walk the land, you could put on a biblical trailer uh, and really be part of this time that we're living in. And you see people like Amit, they're just, they're the real deal, salt of the earth, and they're just saying, play the game and come and connect with us. Am I right, Amit? Yes, we hope that people will come visit and they should know that in Judea and Samaria today you can find many things to do. You have, of course, the, the sites, the biblical sites, archaeology. You have great, great wineries. You have uh, extreme sport, extreme activities, attractions, so many things that someone just come and can spend his whole time, his whole vacation in Judea and Samaria. That's There's right. so I mean, much to do. But but there is one extreme sport that I came up with that has yet to happen, okay? Check out this. It's right in line with all the stuff we're talking about. This is called the Maccabee Triathlon. And here's what you do. We bike up from the Negev to the Dead Sea. Then we jump into the Dead Sea and we swim the Dead Sea in a special stroke developed for the Dead Sea with goggles and all this stuff. Of course, we have a boat going behind us. So if anybody gets like salt freaked <laughs> out, we, we, we scoop them out. And then when we get to Masada, you get washed off and you run up to the top of Masada. The first person up to the top of Masada. So you bike from the Negev, swim the Dead Sea up to the Masada. If you, if you are able to do that, you're the Maccabee. Okay, and that's an extreme sport that has yet to be developed. What do you think? I think that I should start to uh, get training. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just another way of thinking about about showing the beauties of this land. Uh, by the way, Amit, um, do you know how many tourists Israel has a year so far? Sorry? Do you know how many tourists Israel gets a year uh, right now, approximately? How many tourists come to the country? 
Uh, before COVID, I think uh, it was the best year ever with uh, around 4 million tourists. Correct. Very good. Do you know how many tur- uh, tourists come to Turkey every year? Yeah, much more. <laughs> much more. O- almost 52 million. Much, much more. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, uh, you know, this this great country, this country of of the land of God, uh, the land of blessings, has has a lot more to go in terms of a tourism potential. Yeah, uh, and I think that's really amazing. Uh, our friend Yitzi says, "Amit, great idea. Sounds like a great game, uh, and that is Thank really." You. Uh, and I want to again uh, recommend that if you're into it, uh, certainly can write me an email and I can forward it to Amit uh, Yishai at thelandofisrael.com or yishayishayfleischer.com, or check out the Kickstarter at kickstarter.com, Projects Way of Patriarchs. We have the Patriarchs, and it's a beautiful game uh, with really uh, a, a, a lot happening on the land. You'll, you'll learn Bible, uh, you'll learn about the land, uh, and you'll, you'll be hungry for more for actually getting here and connecting. Amit, I want to thank you very much for being with me on the Yishay Fleischer Show and wish you lots of success. Thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you for everyone. All right, we'll see you here on uh, on the the actual uh, land of Israel. We'll see you in the good land, in the heartland, in the biblical heartland. So lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Many more content pieces coming out of uh, uh, ARP Studios here in Judea. Uh, your support and your friendship means a lot, and I mean that. Your emails, yishayfleischer.com, yishayfleischer.com. Uh, makes makes a big difference for me. Uh, your support of our patrons, uh, including the Trelit folks that I mentioned before, uh, Jay Brick that I mentioned before, and now uh, the Way of the Patriarchs makes a big difference. And of course, you can support by going to uh, yishaifleischer.com and supporting our efforts there. And soon, we are working on it. We'll be developing it, uh, a website about the biblical highway, which is going to be called israelbiblicalhighway.com. If you want more information, write me an email and I'll send it to you. So lots of blessings and lots of love from Judea and Shalom. Shalom, everybody. This is Jeremy Gimpel from the Land of Israel Network, but also from the Land of Israel Fellowship. We have members from... 31 countries joining us every week, Sunday, live at 6 p.m. For those that can't make it live, they get a direct recording. Just go to thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. We're growing together. We're learning together. We're celebrating together. The gates are open for all who want to come and join. 